Amen. I was thinking about how powerful the Word of God actually is and how divinely it is so laid out. And, uh, you know, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, there's 1,189 chapters. From Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 22, 1,189. The center chapter in the Bible is Psalms 118. The center verse in the Bible is verse 8 of Psalms 118. And it said, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Wow. What a verse to depict the Word of God. 594 chapters before it and 594 after it. It's between the longest chapter, Psalms 119, with 176 verses, and the shortest chapter, Psalms 117, with only two verses. Do you think that was an accident? <laughs> not at all. You know what it means? The long and short of it is to trust God, not man. That's, that's what he's talking about. Put your faith and your trust in the almighty God of glory. Well, it's been good to be here. Last few uh, days of time, thank you, pastors, for your hospitality and your kindness. Thank you, church body, for your giving. We appreciate you coming. And I will announce again, we have a podcast that airs every Monday. And you can get on there by getting on Spotify and then go to Elevating the Word, and it'll hook you up there. You can join that, and our podcast uh, comes out every Monday. And then on Wednesday, we have a short a few scriptures just explaining the Word of God. I have felt so long of a time now, there's such a need, such a need for the pure Word of God, just to know the heart of God and the things of God. We were asked by uh, your pastor here to preach on end times, and we have done that or tried to do that this week. And I want to uh, take up where we left off last night, and I want to talk to you tonight about what happens after the second coming of Jesus Christ. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to read two verses of Scripture, verse 13 and verse number 16, and both of them is about Jesus, all right? Would you honor the reading of the Scripture by standing tonight? Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 13. He said, And he was clothed in the vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now, he was the Word in the beginning. He stepped down from heaven and become man, and when he died, he went back to heaven as the word, and this scripture declares that. Verse number 16, now this is when Jesus is riding on a white horse, coming back from heaven down to this earth. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's our Lord and our Savior. Let us pray. Father, as we come to you tonight, we just give you thanks from the very depth of our heart for newfound friends. And God, we thank you for the presence, your very holy presence that we have felt and sensed tonight in this service. I pray you would bless. I pray that you would move. I pray the heart of God would just move on every soul that's here tonight. Lift us up, cause us to walk in heavenly places. 
Lead us in the stillness of your love and the greatness of your spirit. Let this word come alive in our hearts, I pray, in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God. You may be seated tonight. I want to preach or just teach whatever you want to call it tonight on the thought of what happens after the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, last night, I preached the difference between the appearing of Jesus, which is commonly referred to as the rapture of the church. I preached the difference between the appearing of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And I want to take up at the ending of Revelation chapter 19, and we we proved the point last night that the saints of God that are called from this earth to meet the Lord in the clouds and the air will come back with him at the second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming is at the end of the tribulation period. Now, now, uh, Caleb, I'm not going to read these, but if you're taking notes, and I see some taking notes, write this down because it's a, it's a very, it's a, a defining point in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 18, verse number 10, verse number 17, and verse number 19 speaks of what we refer to as one-hour judgments. That is the final finale of the tribulation period. In one hour's time, there's going to be catastrophic things that take place. After that one hour period of time, the heavens are going to open up. And Jesus will come descending from heaven to this earth on a white horse. The saints and angels will be with him as well. And he comes back from heaven down to this earth. And we alluded to this last night in Zechariah chapter 14. You can read that when you get home. Whenever his feet touches Mount Olive, the mountain will cleave in the midst, and he will end the war that the Antichrist has started with the last part of the Jews. And they'll be surrounded. The Bible said it's going to be a brutal war. Houses rifle, women ravished, and, and a third part will go into captivity. But he will come back from heaven, and his foot will touch the mountain, and when it does, it'll cleave in the midst. And so Verse 5, the last part of verse 5 of Zechariah 14 said that he's coming with the saints with him. Just remarkable of how the Word of God ties itself together. Now the Antichrist at that time is going to be on the field of battle that we often refer to as the Battle of Armageddon. It's going to be a bloody war. It's going to be all nations involved in that war. Those that had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image is going to be in that war at that point and that time. And when it does, they're going to make war against the Lord and his army. Let, let, let's read that, Caleb. Let me see. I'm going I'm to, Revelation 19, I'm going to pick up in verse number 15. I'll tell you what let's do. Can you, just, can you go back a little bit? Go back to verse 11 and let me take that through 
all the way to the end of the chapter there in Revelation. We read part of this last night, but I want to put this in there and then we'll take up at verse 15 because I don't think we can get our minds wrapped around this without seeing the whole picture. In Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse number 11, he said, I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, he that sat upon him is called faithful and true, and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. His eyes were flame of fire, and on his head was many crowns, had a name written that no man knew, but he himself, and he had a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven, verse 14, look at this, we read this last night and expounded on this quite a bit. The armies which were in heaven followed after him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite nations. He shall rule them with the rod of iron. For he that treadeth the winepress in fearness and wrath of the Almighty God, he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I saw an angel standing in the sun, cried with a loud voice, saying to the fowls that fly, in the midst of the heavens, come, gather yourself together to the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, and flesh of mighty men of horses, of them that set upon them the flesh of all men, both free and bond, small and great. I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Notice how long the war lasts. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet, which had wrought miracles and deceived them, that had received the mark of the beast, worshipped image. And these both were cast alive, whereat in the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant was slain with the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Now, I uh, came back up to verse 20 because I want to show you something here tonight of how this thing is laid out. Now, most of you that have been in church most of your life, you understand that when a sinner dies, their soul goes into hell and it stays in hell and waits for judgment. I'll talk about that when we get to the white throne judgment here in a moment of time. The saint dies, their soul and spirit goes into the heavens above into the presence of God. Then the Bible said death and hell will give up the dead that's in them. But here's what I want to show you something. There is a sin so vile that a person when they die do not go to hell they go straight to the lake of fire. Wow, don't that knock your hat in the creek. There is a sin that is so vile and it's called the sin of the Antichrist. Now let's read verse number 20 one more time. And the beast was taken. Now remember they're battling here in the uh, battle of Armageddon. The beast was taken and with him the false prophet which had wrought miracles and deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and, and worshipped his image and he said what? And cast them into the lake of fire. They went straight from the battle of Armageddon to the lake of fire. They did not go to hell. They went straight to the lake of fire. Show you that in a moment of time. What are you saying? There is a sin so vile 
that whenever a person dies with that sin, they don't go to hell, they go straight to the lake of fire. Now I feel somebody saying here, well what's the difference in hell and the lake of fire? I'll show you that from the scripture in a moment of time. They're two separate places by the word of God. But we're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ when he comes down to this earth and he does away with the, with the antichrist, the false prophet, and those that had received the mark of the beast and worshiped the image of the beast. Now then, I, I want to say a lot about that because we said uh, quite a bit about it last night, but that concludes the tribulation period. That is the ending of the tribulation period. Now, Caleb, go with me to uh, Revelation chapter 20. I'll start in verse 1, and we I, I may just stop along the way, and then we'll go back and pick it up. All right, watch this now. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 1. This is after the second coming. This is a immediately after the second coming. He said, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the keys to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the old serpent, the, the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years be fulfilled. After that, he must be loosed a little season. I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. I saw the souls of them what were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again till the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such a second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, or the, your Bible may say finished, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, shall go out to the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle whom is the number of the sands of the sea. They went up on the breath of the earth, compassed the camp of the saints, the beloved city. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil, verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. And here's your answer to what I was talking about a while ago. The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night, forever and forever. Now, folks that uh, come to me and say, Preacher, do you really think hell's eternal? I take them to this verse of Scripture right here. At this time, when Satan was cast in the lake of fire, the Antichrist and the false prophet had already been there 1,000 years. They had already been there 1,000 years of time. So let me just dissect the first 10 verses that we read there in Revelation chapter chapter number 20. This is commonly referred to as the millennial reign. It is where Jesus comes back from heaven with a multitude of saints with him and angels and ends the tribulation period, ends and does away with the antichrist and false prophet, and then he sets a kingdom up on this earth, this earth with the same sun, the same wind, the same rain, everything for one 
thousand years of time. Now, I'm going to take you a little bit deeper tonight because I want you to see something that's very special to see in the Word of God. Caleb, take them to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8. And watch this tonight. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8 because this is what God's timeline looks like. He said, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. One day with the Lord's a thousand years. A thousand years as one day. Now then, watch this for a moment of time. There is seven days in Genesis of creation, including the day of rest. Each day represents a 24-hour period of time because he said the evening and the morning were the first day. But on, time, on God's time clock, that day represented also a thousand years of time. A thousand years of time. That's the reason the millennial reign will be 1,000 years because it concludes the days of creation on this earth. I, we're going to have to read some here. I'm sorry, Caleb, I didn't give you this, but I'll, I'll make this a little easy, all right? I won't pick and choose. Go to Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 1, and we'll read down a section here, and then I want to explain what I'm talking about tonight. Now watch this. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, he said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. God saw the light that it was good. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. The evening and the morning were the first day. Verse number six. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the firmament. He divided the waters that were under the firmament from the waters that were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. Now then, uh, uh, I'm... I'm, well, I don't want to get in on that because that's going to take a lot of time. Go across the page there, however you do it. Verse 16, okay? Verse number 16. He said, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and he made stars also. Verse 19, Caleb, skip on down to verse 19. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Now, I touched on this Sunday, but I want to open this up where you can see why God has a plan that he has a plan, and he's going to operate according to his plan. The Bible records all six days of creation and then the seventh day of rest. Day number one, God stepped out on eternity. By the way, when there wasn't even one to stand on, he stood on it anyway because he creates all things. And this earth existed at that time and it's covered with water from the face of this earth all the way up to the galaxies. And the first thing God done was said, 
let there be light. And the word said, there was light. But you notice, God never made a sun and a moon until day number four. But day number one, God said, let there be light. And under all of that water and under all of that darkness, this earth began to illuminate with nothing more than the light of Christ. That explained, don't go there, uh, 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 Caleb, stay right there in Genesis. But John 8 and 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now then, hang on, oh, you're going to have to go here. <laughs> I've got to do this. Let me, let me look this up. I'm, it's in St. John chapter 1. Just go, I'll start in verse one and read down through verse five because I want you to see creation here, all right? Creation from the scripture and from the word of God. St. John chapter one, verse number one. In the beginning, isn't that how Genesis started out? In verse one and chapter one and verse one. St. John chapter one, verse number one said, in the beginning was the word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now watch this. Here's creation. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him is life. Life is the light of man. Now, uh, uh, watch verse 5. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Wow. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. I'm, I'm not going any farther than that. All right. Watch this now. Verse 5 said, the light shined in darkness. That's what happened on Genesis 1 and the first five verses there. God stepped out. This earth was a big ball of water. And under all of that water was nothing but darkness. And God said on day one, let there be light and there was light. Day two, he divided the waters by putting a heaven in the middle of it. I preach a message on the three heavens, and all three of them are identified in Genesis chapter 1. There is three heavens, but, and, and Paul talks about them in 2 Corinthians 12. You can read that when you get home. But watch this now. Uh, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Oh, I'm just dying, Pastor, to get in on this, but it'll take me away from what I need to explain here tonight. But there's, if you can understand the first 12 chapters, chapters of Genesis, in minute detail, you've got a gateway to the entire Bible. I'm telling you, there it's all there in the Word of God. So God said, let there be light. Day number two, God put a firmament in the middle of the waters, and he called it heaven in verse number eight, and he divided the waters. Day number three, God called dry land out of the water. Sounds like a resurrection and a baptism to me. Out of the water, dry land began to just uh, spring up, mountains come up everywhere. But watch this. Day number four, God made a sun and a moon. Why day number four? Let me show you. On day four, God put an S-U-N in the sky. But 4,000 years from that time, he put an S-O-N on the earth. Wow, now watch this. Each day represents 1,000 years of time. On day four, God made a sun and a moon. 
4,000 years from that day that he started and made man, he put Jesus, the son of the living God, on this earth. The sun that he made represents Jesus Christ. The moon represents the church, and here's why. The moon reflects the light of the sun on the dark side of the earth. The church reflects the light of Christ to the darkness of this world. He put it all together, sir, and he said every time, let there be, let there be, and Jesus performed what God said. So when in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, when Peter said, one day if the Lord's a thousand years, thousand years is one day, we're living in the end of the 6,000 years from the time God made Adam to the where right now, and we're about ready to end that, and the next thing is going to be a thousand years millennial reign that will end the seven days of creation because God rested during that time. Did you understand all that? Is it clear as mud? <laughs> all right. Each day represents a thousand years. Maybe I should have preached on that because you can go through the Word of God and dissect this. See, Adam lived 930 years. He almost lived the first thousand years. He lived long enough to see the mess he made. He lived 930 years of time. But now, oh, oh Lord, I'm just thinking here, and I, I'm thinking, boy, I need to cover that. If I do, I'm going to hear, hear it go. But now watch this now from the Scripture. A thousand years millennial reign where Christ will rest and have a kingdom on this earth. Now then, Caleb, go back to chapter 20. Let me look here. This will give you a look. Go to verse 5. Verse 5, 20. Chapter 20 of Revelation and verse number 5. Now after he talks about the devil being bound 1,000 years, cast into the bottomless pit, shut up. Then he goes into this. He said, but the rest of the dead live not again till the thousand years were finished. Then he said, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death has no power. Now, what is the second death? I'm going to explain that tonight from the Word of God. I've told you every service, opinions are one thing, but the Word of God settles all arguments. You understand that? It will clear it up as to what God said. What is the second death? It is defined for us in the Scripture, and we'll get to that, but I've got to bring you up to that point. There is a millennial reign where Christ is going to set his kingdom up. But he said, we will rule and reign with him as well. We're going to rule and reign with him as well. What does it mean? There will be natural people during the millennial reign that will walk right out of the tribulation period, out of the reign of the Antichrist, because this earth is not going to change until all of this is done. Christ is going to set a kingdom up. And I've spent too much time on this other to show you David according to the scripture, will co-reign with Christ in Jerusalem. But we are going to rule and reign with Christ. And that's what he said in verse 5. The rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. Blessed and holy is he that hath part 
in the first resurrection on such a second death have no power, but they shall be priests to God and of Christ and shall reign with him. We're going to reign with him. Now then, I'm going to take a little detour here and explain how that is determined for us in the Word of God. Caleb, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, and verse number 3. This is how, who's going to rule and reign. I hear people make this statement a lot. Oh, preacher, if I can just barely make it in, I'll be so happy. I'm going to tell you something. After you've been there a thousand years and you're nothing but a flunky, you're going to wish to God in heaven you'd have done better with your life living for Christ. That's just how it is. Oh, if I can just make it in. No, that might be all right for two weeks, but we've we, we got a thousand years there that we're going to live and reign with Christ during that time. And here's how it's determined. Look at this. He said, no, you're not. That saints shall judge the world. That hasn't happened yet. You understand that? And if the world be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Now, verse 3. Look at verse number 3. He said, Know you not that we shall judge angels? Boy, that hadn't happened either. And then he said, How much more things that pertain to this life? What's he saying? How you live your life right here on this earth serving God is the determining factor of how you're going to rule and reign with him during the thousand years' time. What does that mean? Are you a good husband? Are you a good mom? Are you a good uh, church uh, a goer? Do you do right with God? Do you treat your neighbors well? Have you done what God has asked you to do? That is the determining factor. I believe with all of my heart, they're going to be little old ladies that stand before God. They raised 10 kids. They never held a position of any kind in the church, but they was good in the community. They they obeyed God. They've done exactly. And God's going to say to them, here's 5,000. I want you to take them over there and you take care of them. And then they're going to be preachers that come up before God. And, and God's going to say, you didn't do nothing but whine from the day I called you to preach. You just whined and carried on. You was unfaithful. I had to, I had to cut your gourd bind down to get you to go anywhere. Here's five people. See if you can take care of them for the next thousand years. And if you can't, I'll give them to that little lady that's got a 5,000 over there because she can handle it. You see, we're going to rule and reign with Christ during that time. Now listen, church, when you know about these facts in the Word of God, in order to build a fire inside of us to say, I'm going to do right right here on this earth because there is an eternity that coming for me. I'm going to live forever. You are going to live forever. We'll start out with a thousand years millennial reign. Now, isn't that, that's hard for us to get our, our mind wrapped around. I'm 67 years old. I know I don't look like it. I look 80. But the fact is, I'm 67 years old. It's going to be a difficult time. You meet me sometime. They say, hey, Dean, I heard you had a birthday. I say, yeah, I'm 506 years old now. I'm, I'm really doing good. Listen to me. We are going to live eternally and after this life is over with. But the first thousand years of our eternity is going to be with Christ. Christ, we're going to live and reign with Christ for 1,000 years. Why 1,000? Because it completes 
the seventh day of creation rest that God planned out for this earth. Oh, church, I'm wanting to get on that so bad because I want, I want to show you something. The last 2,000 years has been the time of the Gentiles. Now, let me help you identify that. Caleb, don't go here. If I do, I'm going to stay on that sure as a world. But in the book of Hosea, chapter 6, verse number 2, the book of St. John, chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, if you notice, every time that Jesus visited the Gentiles, he never stayed more than two days' time. Never stayed more than two days' time. Hosea said, we've been without this for two days, but he said, then we'll live in his sight on the third day. Wow. He did, I mean, it just comes together like a puzzle. So we're coming to the close of the Gentile time for the last 2,000 years of time. No man knows the day or the hour, but we know the times and the seasons. And that there will be a millennial kingdom that's going to set up. I had, a, I had a preacher tell me here a few years ago, he said, Preacher, I don't believe in that millennial stuff, a thousand years reign. That's already taken place. I said, Brother, show me a time in history that the devil has been bound for 1,000 years. Show me a time in history. He has never been bound. Show me a time in history that saints have judged the earth and judged angels. That has never happened. But the Word of God says it's going to. And I believe it. I, I believe it with everything that I have. So Jesus will set his kingdom up on this earth. Now here's the ironic thing. After the thousand years are over, Satan is loosed out of his prison. Caleb chapter 20. Revelation 20 verse 7 and when the thousand years are expired Satan shall be loosed out of his prison or out of, of, of the bottomless pit that it says in verse 3 and it goes out to the four quarters of the earth Gog and Magog gather them together to battle now listen church you would think that people that are living under the reign of Christ and a thousand years of peace wouldn't be deceived that easy. But it shows you what flesh is and what flesh is all about. The devil goes out, he deceives them. They come against the camp of the saints, the beloved city, and they make war against it. And notice how long the war lasted. The fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Oh, I'm going to plug this. You preachers that are here, get a hold of this part. This will preach. And uh, Caleb, I'm sorry, buddy. Go to Hebrews 12 and verse, uh, let me just read one verse there. Uh, verse Hebrews 12, verse number 29. Put that up there. I want you to see this because this describes our God of heaven. Watch this. He said, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Moses saw the backside of God and his face glowed with so much power of God they had to veil him. What are you saying? It's the first stages of him incinerating. He nearly died from seeing the backside of God. But watch this. On the day of Pentecost, the fire of God fell and infilled them with the power of the Holy Ghost. But now then, at the end of the millennial reign, the fire of God falls there and consumes them. Watch the difference. 
What's the difference in this? It just, it's a stopper here that there'll be no sneak-ins into heaven. You understand that? What it is, the fire of God fell on Pentecost and empowered them. The fire of God fell at the, millennial, at the end of the millennial reign and devoured them. What is the difference? If you have Jesus living in your heart and your life, the fire of God will empower you. If you don't, it will consume you. So there'll be nobody sneaking into heaven. I'm going to tell you that because they won't be able to live in the presence of God. But you and I are going to live in the presence of God forever and forever. I know I've got to hurry. So let's go a little farther. Revelation chapter 20, uh, verse 13 and verse number 14. Now, listen to the readings of this passage of Scripture here. Revelation chapter 20, verse 13 and verse 14. He said, And the sea gave up the dead which were in them. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one according to their works. Now, this actually starts in verse 11, but I don't want to get a lot of Scripture here where you can't get what I'm talking about tonight. Death and hell, verse number 14, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That proves hell and the lake of fire is two separate places. Hell is in the center of the earth. The lake of fire is without the earth somewhere. Death and hell was cast into the lake of fire. But before that, hell holds the soul. Death holds the body. Now, there's going to be two resurrections. There's going to be a resurrection of the righteous, and there's going to be a resurrection of those that have died and gone to hell. Don't take my word for it. We'll show you. St. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Now, look at this scripture here. It will define it. St. John chapter 5, verse 28 and verse number, number 29. These scripture gives us insight here of something that we all need to know. Jesus is speaking these words. He said, marvel not at this or at this saying, for the hour is coming in which all, A-L-L, all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, verse 29, and shall come forth those that done what? Those that have done righteous, those that have done good, the saved is what he's talking about, unto the resurrection of life. But look at this. And they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now I'm going to get down on this, and you don't hear this preached a lot, because people don't even want to think there is a hell anymore. But hell holds the soul of the lost that left this world unprepared to meet God. But in the white throne judgment, there will be a resurrection of the dead. Hell is going to give up the soul. Death is going to give up the body. They're not going to get a new body. They're going to get their old body, that diseased, decayed body. And then it said death and hell was cast into the lake of fire. Why is that? Because when God makes a new heaven and a new earth, which will be by renovation, we'll show you that in a moment of time, they won't be even a speck of dust of the loss left on this earth anywhere. Hell will be removed from the center of the earth. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Somebody just said in your mind, how do you know hell is in the center 
of the earth because that's what the scripture says. I'm looking this up. Well, I'm sorry, Caleb. Get ready for this one. Go to Matthew 12, verse number 40. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 40. Now watch this. This is what the Word of God is saying. I didn't make this up. This is what the Word of God said. He said, For Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now go to Acts 2, and let me look here. Acts 2, 29, 30, 30, 31. Acts 2 and 31. Now look at this. Remember, it said that he'll be in the heart of the earth. Heart of the earth. Now look at verse 31 of Acts chapter 2. Seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, and neither did his flesh see corruption. Now listen to me. Jesus Christ, when he died, his soul tasted of the flames of hell. His spirit went into uh, paradise, but he stood and said, hell, you can't hold me. I've not sinned. His soul and spirit connected with his body in the tomb, and he rose triumph over death, hell, and the grave. So hell is in the heart of the earth. Then hell will be cast in to the lake of fire. Every individual that has lived on this earth will, will, will pass through judgment of some sort and some kind. He said we're all going to give account for what we have done in the body. Now I'm going to help you with something. Here's why. When a saint of God dies immediately at death, the soul and the spirit is released and goes into the presence of God. Why do we not go into judgment at that point instead of just going straight into the presence of God? Here's why. It's Jesus fulfilling his promise for us. Caleb, put this up there. Everybody knows this, but put it up there, and I'll preach up to that point. John chapter 3, verse 16. Boy, I'll throw you off there. If I'd have said that real fast, you'd knew what it was. John 3, 16. But if you drag it out, you're thinking, what, what, wonder what that is. Come unto me, all you little taters, and I'll make soup of thee. I wonder what that could be there. But watch this now. Heaven is not your eternal reward for serving God. Boy, you hear that a lot. Well, you serve God, well, you're going to gain heaven. No, that's not your reward. Everlasting life is your reward. And this scripture says it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have. Oh. So when you die, and you go straight in the presence of God, it's Jesus fulfilling his promise to us of everlasting life. We're not going to go through judgment. We'll go through a reward system, but we're going to give account for what we have done in the body. I'm trying to get through this, and I'm thinking, boy, I need to cover that. I need to cover this. But the white throne judgment is for the wicked dead the unsaved. Now listen to me. I'm going to give you a sobering thought tonight. We're not going to participate in the white throne judgment, but you are going to be a spectator. Wow. That's right. The book of Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 28. 
You don't think this thing's important? When you stand there at White Throne Judgment and see people you knew your kin to judged that you could have touched and you didn't? Ezekiel chapter 3, go to 18 first. Try 18 there. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18. And, and it, well, it's all the way through that chapter. But watch this. Thou shalt surely die and give the warning, to speak the warning from the wicked to save his life. The same man shall. Going down to verse number 19. This is talking about this die. And uh, he said, Their blood will be required at your hands if you fail to warn man of their sin. Their blood will be required. It's mentioned two times in that chapter. When will that take place? The only time that can take place is at the white throne judgment where they're being judged. Oh, I see some people tonight or feel it anyway. You're putting your feet in the mud on me here tonight. So let me put some more word on this. Go back to Matthew chapter 12. I just read verse 40. Put up verse 41. Look at this. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 41. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. When's that going to happen? It only happened at the white throne judgment. Do you know that According to statistics, 95% of the people that are saved go through the church and never lead one person to God. I'm not throwing stones if you're in that category tonight. I want to shake you. Because there's plenty out there to get. We will not be a participator in the white throne judgment, but we will be a spectator. When all of that happens, let's move on. Now go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 10. I'm just going to spot read this because I know I'm taking a lot of time here tonight, but I'm doing the end times, and this is what's going to happen after the second coming of Christ. After the white throne judgment, there's going to be a renovation of the heavens and the earth by fire. And 2 Peter records that in verse 10. He says this uh, in, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10. The evil tongue and, and the lips that speak, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and the heavens shall pass away. Great noise elements will melt with a fervent heat. Now watch this. And the earth also, the works there shall be burned up. Now go to verse 12. Let's look at verse number 12. Scroll down to verse 12. Looking for and hasting the coming of the day of the Lord, when the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt away with a fervent heat. Why is he going to do that? Anything that has ever been tainted by sin is going to be touched and burned with fire. And sin started where God lives. When the devil tried to overthrow God and God cast him out of heaven, the heavens are going to pass away and the earth pass away with the fervent heat because God is going to renovate everything 
that has been touched by sin. Now, Miss Peggy and I, for several years, we've done prophecy seminars, and I would have pastors to poll the congregation, get their questions. He would email them to me, and I would put them in chronological order. And I have one that sent me this email that time, and he said, this is from a 14-year-old boy. And he said, I'm reading, Pastor, in the Word of God, where the heavens are going to pass away with a fervent heat and the earth is going to pass away with fervent heat. But if the heavens is going to pass away, by the way, it's plural, heavens, plural. If the heavens are going to pass away and the earth is going to pass away, where will the saints of God be during that time? Wow. I went there and I asked the pastor, I got there early and I said, is that kid here? And he said, yeah, sitting up there on the front seat reading his Bible. I said, well, go figure that. I walked up and sat down beside him, and I said, son, I don't know if I'll get to this, but I do want to answer your question. And I want to answer for you, and Caleb, I don't think I gave you this. Go to Revelation 21 and verse 9, okay? And then I'll go back here in a moment of time. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 9, came unto me one of the seven angels, seven vials for the last plagues, and said unto me, Come hither, and I'll show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. Now then, look at what it said in the next verse of Scripture. Verse number 10. He carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain, showed me a great city, the holy Jerusalem, sending out of God, out of heaven from God. Now, there's a teaching going around today that the bride is the new Jerusalem. No. The bride housed the new Jerusalem when the heavens are on fire and the earth is on fire because the new Jerusalem is the only place that has never been touched by sin. Because Jesus didn't build that till he went back to heaven. And you and I will be housed in the new Jerusalem while the heavens pass away, and he's building a new heaven and a new earth. Now go back to verse 1 and 2, chapter 21, verse 1 and verse number 2. Look at this, and then I'll wind this thing down. Watch this now. In Revelation chapter 21, verse number 1 and verse number 2, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth was passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The New Jerusalem, the new heaven and the new earth, three entities there. The New Jerusalem was set down on the new earth and connect the heavens and the earth together. We have an eternal future of living with God without sin, without temptation, without anything coming from the evil side because God is going to do away with all of that. And then that's the end. The Word of God tells us that's it. We're going to go into a place whose builder and whose maker is God. So let me run through these real quick and then we're going to pray and my brother's going to come and help in this altar service tonight. The second coming, thousand years reign of Christ, millennial reign of Christ, white throne judgment, renovation of the heavens and the earth, 
and then the new heavens and the new earth. It's all planned out. That all happens. And you know what? You and I sit in here tonight, we're going to be part of that. Part of that. It's as real as you've said in here tonight. Would you bow your heads with me, please, tonight? Oh, for the greatness of God. For the greatness of God. You know, I couldn't get into the part of family in heaven. But I was telling my brother before service, he was sharing a dream with me that he had, and I told him, and I'll tell you tonight, I challenge you, when you start reading the Bible through, starting in Genesis, take your ink pen and underline this phrase every time you come across it. And he gathered them unto their people. And he gathered them unto their people. It will blow your mind how many times God says that. But when you get to Deuteronomy chapter 32, God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, come up in the mountain. I'm going to gather you unto your people as I gathered Aaron unto his people. And Moses and Aaron were brothers. And God distinguished the family at that point. Noah preached for 120 years, a preacher of righteousness. And the only people that got on board the ark was him was his three sons and three daughter-in-laws. You may not be able to win your neighborhood, your community, or your town. But you are to set your gold on your family. They are to be on the front burner of your soul, praying for God to save them. God to touch them. God to make them whole. that are to burn in our heart. Because what I have preached to you tonight, I've loaded it up with a whole lot of scripture to prove a point. It's not what I made up. It's not what the pastor dreamed up. It's not what you thought. It's what God said. And all of this is going to be, and all of this is going to happen. I want to do something tonight. How many here in this place right now would lift your hand and say, Preacher, i got a son that's lost without God. I'll see your hand. i got a son lost without God. How many slip your hand up and say, I've got a daughter lost without God. How many here has got a husband or wife that doesn't know the Lord? What about a mom and dad? that doesn't know the Lord? How about a brother or sister that don't know the Lord? Wow. I feel like Reuben, whenever he went before his brother Joseph and said, how can I go to my father and the lad be not with me? 
I want to do something tonight because I want to encourage you. I didn't plan this earlier, but I just felt this tonight. Mom and Dad, how many of you got a lost son that right now you get up out of your seat, come up here to the front, and just represent your son before God and call his name out? Your son, get up and come here. If you can't stand, sit on these front seats. Just call them for sons right now. Got a son that lost without God while these are up here. Who's got a daughter that don't know Jesus? I want you to come and represent sis up here. Who's got a mom or dad that don't know the Lord? Maybe a husband or wife. Don't know the Lord. How about a a brother or sister that don't know Jesus? You see, one day we're going to stand in the presence of God around the throne of God. As I preach, we're going to be a spectator, spectator at the white throne judgment. There's six of us kids in our family, five boys and one girl. Our sister has been on drugs and alcohol for the last 25, 30 years. Lived in the streets. Couldn't help her. We've tried multi-times. But two and a half years ago, a light shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. And today she's living for God. She's nearly dangerous with her witness. But I have heard my mom and dad pray till their dying breath. God, don't let Watana leave this world lost and unsaved. Don't let them leave here. I heard my mama take my hand and cry like a baby and said, Son, I can't stand the thought of living eternally without Watana. But I don't know what to do about it. I'm going to help you with something tonight. I preached this in the whole message, but you need this. According to Romans chapter 5, you have a right to pray righteousness around them. And that's what I want you to pray tonight, if you're willing, because I'm going to tell you the cost of that. When you pray righteousness on them, you're asking God to plant righteous people in their path. They may lose their job and have to move in with you. But you have a right to pray, God, put righteous people in their path. My mom and I joined hands on Walmart parking lot before she got sick. And we prayed that prayer. My sister got fired from her job. Two months before, she was top ten in the state. 
is a God thing. She got fired. She got another job. She called mom and she said, I hope you're happy. She said, I just found out my, my boss is a Pentecostal preacher. Oh. And from that day forward, God started planting people in her path because we pray righteousness. I want you to do that tonight. You have that right is to pray righteousness on them. The word said by one man sin came into the world. But it also said in six verses later, by one man righteousness came into the world. I want you to pray righteousness over those you're representing here tonight. God, put righteousness around them. Surround them with your righteousness. Plant righteous people in their path. It's not going to be an accident. It's going to be an ordained plan of God. I want you to begin to pray righteousness on them tonight in Jesus' name.